We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. My fellow Arsenal fans, we have nothing to fear but fear itself, and also Manchester City. This is the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast. My name's Elliot Smith. You can block me on Twitter, Ian Gunner. Uh, yeah, we we have actually quite a lot to fear. If, if you're me, you're, you're just afraid all the time, constantly. Uh, and what I am afraid of right now is the reaction you are going to give me for the audio quality you're about to hear. I was lucky enough to interview Rebecca Lowe from NBC. She is the voice of the Premier League here in the United States of America. Uh, She has also been the voice of football uh, in the UK as well, having covered FA Cups and Premier League for ESPN UK and, and the BBC. And we had a chance to have a chat about the big match coming up tomorrow, as I sit here recording this now, and the title race in general, Mikel Arteta, Bakayo Saka, Gabriel Martinelli, and, and many other things. So I hope you will enjoy it. The only problem is, because uh, I didn't you know, want to look weird with these big cans on my head, I wore my AirPods uh, to listen uh, as I recorded. And rather than using my fancy microphone, uh, the computer decided to use the AirPod microphone to record. So the sound quality is not uh, what I would have hoped for, but you know what? There is sound, and you can hear it, and I hope you'll enjoy it. It's a little bit of a bonus. I want to let you know, the last little tranche of Union Chapel tickets will go out tomorrow morning, 10 a.m. UK time, and uh, if you are a patron, you have access to that link. Uh, I do want to let you know we did a rewatch of the Southampton game with Clive. We did a Manchester City preview with Clive. Paul and Scott did a full data review of where we are in the season and what is to come in this game. So there's a lot of stuff over there you can partake in and everything uh, that we've given to this fundraiser is funded by the Patreon this month. Fundraiser sitting at just 367,000 pounds. <laughs> Incredible. Uh, we will have the drawing for the Brighton ticket, the VIP Brighton ticket, and the Ian Wright shirt next week. So that is coming soon. So I'm going to turn it over to me and Rebecca Lowe uh, and then say goodbye at the end. Here's the interview. Well, first, Rebecca, I just want to say thank you for coming on. I really appreciate the chance to talk to you. Oh, my absolute pleasure. This is fun. 
Yeah, and just a nice calm day for you, everything falling into order just as you'd hope. So I'm glad that's the case, definitely. <laughs> well, you know, Mondays are always a bit of a crazy one, coming back from work last night and then catching up with a million things. Um, plus, it's Teacher Appreciation Week. I don't know if anyone else out there is, I don't know if it's the same week across America, which I'm all in for, but it takes organization. And this mum has a list of to-do things as long as my arm. At the top of it is teacher appreciation. So I've got to make sure I'm on top of that. So yeah, it's a busy week, but it's exciting. There's tons of football going on, big Wednesday coming up. So yeah, all good, all good. Two words for you on teacher appreciation week, gift cards. Gift cards are your friend. (laughs) Every day, every single day, it's a different thing. Oh, every day I would, but I'm only allowed to do that one day. It's flower day today. And oh my goodness me. But anyway, it's good. Obviously it's cool. Now I have anxiety that I've not been doing it properly, but we can talk about that offline. Um, Okay. So let's focus on the game coming up on Wednesday, just for a starter. You've had the chance, you know, as the voice of the Premier League here in the United States, among other things, you've had the chance to be a part of the buildup to some very big games. Um, In the past few years, it's been Liverpool and Manchester City. This year, thankfully, it's Arsenal-Manchester City. And while a lot of Arsenal fans may be focused on the fact that we've dropped some silly points and don't feel favorites for the title now, we are still in that big game. How do you compare this game and the feeling leading up to it and its importance and the battle between these two teams versus maybe those, those Liverpool and Manchester City battles that have been so decisive in previous seasons? That's a really good question because actually very similar. We we went over to England last season for the Manchester City-Liverpool game, uh, which was actually around this time. I want to say it was sort of middle to end of April. And we we build it in exactly the same way. The biggest game of the season. The winner of this will have the title race in their hands. That game, was, which was one of the best games I've ever seen live. It was 2-2, I think. Um, of course, in a way, you wanted a winner in that game because it would have given us the direction for the title. Um, and then obviously City went on to win it on that crazy final day last season. Um, but... It, This year, you know, I spoke to Lee Dixon this morning. We have a work conference call this morning to to look ahead to Wednesday's game. And he was very much the opinion that it isn't decisive. Hmm. And and it's because your running is difficult. You know, Arsenal's running with Newcastle and Chelsea is difficult. You've both got to play Brighton. And of course, we can't hide from the fact that you're in different types of form right now. Um, Still in really good form. City are in other planet form. So I think it's a very similar build-up. It's a very similar feeling that this is the biggest game of the season. And I'm already thinking, how do we come on air on Wednesday? What am I going to say? What's my first line? And I mean, quite simply, this is the biggest game of the season. So that's already my opening line on Wednesday. With these huge matches, first of all, they very rarely disappoint. Ever since the City's Liverpool, now Arsenal, have been at the top, those big games don't disappoint. We did have a few years where, you know, Mourinho under Conte or um, Chelsea under Conte or Chelsea under Mourinho, where you sort of build the big games of Chelsea against Manchester United and they never really came through because those two teams in those sections of time were playing different types of football. Arsenal are playing a similar brand in terms of just pure entertainment as Liverpool and City have for the last few years. So I'm looking forward to it from that perspective. I I think, personally, I do think it will be definitive in the title race um I think I think it's perfectly timed I know it should have happened a long time ago because it's a rearranged game my I'm just concerned as a as as somebody who would like Arsenal to win the league not because I hate City which is what gets (laughs) 
obviously as the host you i'm i am thoroughly neutral we've enjoyed city and of course how can you not but for the i'll ask you again when palace is challenging for the league if you're thoroughly neutral (laughs) um that's very difficult that's probably part of the reason why i can do this job because that's never going to happen um (laughs) i do think it's it would be great for, for for football and i think it'd be great for the premier league and actually it would be great for city and actually guardiola you know quite likes that sort of challenge so I, I I think it will, and I think in lots of ways they deserve it. Um, but I worry about the fact that even if you go to City on Wednesday and win, I'm not sure I can see you winning every single game afterwards. So it could even be heartbreakingly go there and win and then lose it somewhere else. Um, but yeah, to go back to your question, because my goodness, there's so much to say about this game. It's massive. We're billing it as the biggest game of the season. We're all in. We've got a pitch side desk. It's going to be huge. I'm so glad I'm a neutral because I think the nerves would be too much for me. Yeah, well, I've got that covered for you. So that's good. I, I you know, uh, since you're name dropping, when I spoke to Lee, you know, during our call, you know, uh, <laughs> uh, when, when I spoke to Lee, the thing I said then is I think it can be decisive, but only for City and not for Arsenal in the okay. sense that I think a loss there would, would probably be decisive. Um, I know there are more optimistic supporters who might say it's, it's never done until it's mathematically done, but it feels decisive. Um, and, and look, I, I do think that it would be great if Arsenal do this, but even if they don't do it, I, I am still probably going to look back on this season as a success. Having said that, there is a mainstream media. I hope you'll spare a moment for that, um, you know, that connotation. But there, there is a, a media narrative of bottling it, right? Oh, Arsenal are bottling it. And um, I think Arsenal fans are are put off by that suggestion because this team is doing so much more than anyone expected. Having said that, dropping those two points at Anfield, having had a 2-0 lead, and the two points at West Ham having a 2-0 lead and drawing it home to Southampton, there is certainly some suggestion that the pressure is getting to them as a neutral observer and as someone who does, I think in your profession, have to create narratives for games, for seasons. That's part of the job. How do you connect to the suggestion of Arsenal bottling it? Because I, it's really hard for us, I think, as Arsenal fans to hear that. Of course. Of course it is. And that's horrible. And I am part of the mainstream media. So, yes, it is part of my <laughs> on narratives, create narratives, um, because we're trying to get people to watch. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah, of course. Um, it works. Bottling it, I've learned over the years. I'm married to a former professional footballer. So I, I know all about that phrase and how that's a phrase you should very rarely wheel out. Um, I think fans mm. are out, but as a professional in the game, which I am in, in the television game, but in the soccer football world, I would never use that on air. It's not something I would ever, that is a very personal, quite offensive description of any one season towards professional footballers. Very rarely do they bottle it. I mean, that is, a, that is a, I think you can separate it, Elliot. Bottling it is different from blowing it. I think blowing mm. it, throwing it away is is more for me um, appropriate. And here's why. I think you can have two things happen at the same time. You can, without a doubt, say this has been a fantastic season. There is you, you don't have to know that much about the game to know that this has been quite the season. You know, you were fifth last year. You didn't yeah. finish second or first. That kind of jump is not easy to do. Nobody expected it. You've been absolutely first class all season. Um, and a joy to watch, right? But here's the problem. And if you had been second or third all season and then pushed right near the end to almost get first but just miss out, 
you would be hailed as like the, one of the greatest teams because you, this was never expected and you almost won it. But unfortunately, when you hold something in your hands since, I don't know, what was it, early September and lose it very briefly that one week when you lost the City and City went above you, but essentially you've been top the whole season, you know, pretty much. Yeah. It's very similar to Newcastle under Kevin Keegan, 96, I think it was, when they were 12 points clear and blew it and Manchester United won. You, if it doesn't happen, you, in my opinion, you have blown it. But that doesn't mean you've had a terrible season. It just means when you hold something in your hands for that long, you couldn't see it over the line. You, you've blown it. Now, some people don't like that phrase either, but it's just the facts. I mean, it, it, I would say it if Crystal Palace, you know, had, had been in the same situation. It's not a personal slight. There is absolutely a space for Arsenal have had an amazing season. Arsenal have blown the title. They are they can exist yeah. in space. And you're right. You know, on May the 29th, if you wake up on that Monday morning as having finished second, it's going to hurt like hell. But on, you know, in, I want to say, end of July, you'll be like much easier to take, okay? Because you can reflect on what a great season it's been. That's, that, that's just human nature. You can't get away from the fact that, you've done this and this and this and this and this and then you've dropped off. So it's going to take a big, if it does happen and you can still win it and you may still win it. If it doesn't happen for you, Arteta has a huge task, doesn't he, this summer to mentally ensure that this team starts next season in the right mindset. Because Ferguson used to say, Sir Alex Ferguson used to say that if you didn't win it, you have to use that experience of finishing second. And he did that a lot. Uh, in order to win it the next season. The problem about next season is you've got United are going to get better. Chelsea have got to get better. Liverpool have got to get better. Newcastle are going to get better. You know, so you have to then recruit to get better and ensure that that mindset of of holding it for so long and actually a few moments we all thought, you're def- oh, you're definitely winning this. That mindset is going to be difficult to get over. So I think I, I don't think it's a personal slight on Arsenal to say you're you are currently blowing it, and there is no doubt, Elliot. Sorry, I mean I have so much to say about this. There is no doubt that Liverpool <laughs> is not blowing it. A point at West Ham kind of is, and a point at home to Southampton, one hundred percent is. So it's a collapse. It's not bottling it because professional footballers don't bottle it. They just you don't get to be Bukayo Saka and Gabriel Martinelli with an ability to bottle anything in life. You know, if anyone knew what these kids got had to go through to get where they are, ain't no bottling anywhere near these players. It's just there's a difference between bottling it and just in the end not having the experience in, to hold the nerve. But this experience will give them that experience next time around if you can just find your way through everybody else next season. Yeah, and certainly the I, I think the narrative of bottling it this season is amplified by how last season ended as well, right? So people are putting two and two together and getting four in terms of we were in the pole position for top four and didn't get there and and ahead at the top of the league this season. And frankly, I think City's games in hand made it feel that we were more in charge of this title race at certain times than maybe we were. Um, It is also the case that there's still a chance we will finish with as many points or if not as many points as the Invincibles, the second most points in the history of our club, the most goals scored in the history of our club, um, potentially the highest goal difference in the history of our club, and be regarded somehow as having failed. And I, I think we have to try to keep in context the team that is chasing us down uh, is currently being investigated for whatever is 125 uh, breaches of financial regulation. So it is a 
it is not a level playing field, although I certainly don't want to position Arsenal as the paupers. You know, there's been a lot of spending here as well. You mentioned too about being ready for next season. In American sport, you see it a lot, actually. The team that loses the Super Bowl quite often doesn't even make the playoffs the next season. Um, it is. It can be the case that chasing that down or leading the hallway and failing to do it can make it hard to get yourself up for the battle again next season. But we have next season to look forward to. In terms of just this young team, I, I feel like there's no such thing as a neutral left in the Premier League. Everybody has some tribal reason not to like this team or not to like that. But how have you connected to this Arsenal team, in particular the likes of a Martinelli and Saka, who, you know, I think I just saw now have matched Rooney and Ronaldo as the last duo under some age to combine for 20-plus goal involvements each. The last teammates under, maybe it was under 20, 22 or 23 to have 20-plus goal involvements each. They are both forces of nature in their own way. And I'm, I'm curious as a neutral how you have looked at their season and their development. Oh, I love them. I love them. And, and Elliot, you mentioned the word there about failure. There is no failure attached to this team. There will be no failure attached to this season. Like you just listed off the stats that could happen uh, come the end of the season, even if you finish second. There's there's no failure here. It is purely just a young team who, in the end, if they don't make it, don't make it because they're young and, and not yet quite ready. In terms of how I feel about them, I love them. To watch, I'd pay to watch them over City personally, just because of, I mean, City are mechanical and machine-like and effective and brilliant. Arsenal are a bit magic. And I would say that that is maybe the difference. Now, magic, you can't always be magic every week. They've done it most weeks, but, you know, we've lost a little bit of magic recently. But my goodness, they have been a joy all season. Bukayo Saka... Uh, comes from where I come from. So I like to take all the credit. Uh, he's from uh, Greenford and Ealing, West London, which is where I grew up. And I do feel a little bit more um, connection to him. And I'm fairly certain that he was in the classroom when about 14 years ago, maybe 13 years ago, I did a feature at a for an Arsenal piece for the BBC and I went to, and there was all the under sixes or under sevens or something like that we were all in the classroom. And I had to interview a couple of them. And I wish I had the video because I'm fairly certain he was in that classroom. I've just got a feeling. I'd and, love and, to see that. I know, right? And the ages link up. I mean, my God, that makes me feel old. But we interviewed him when we did the game on Boxing Day, that West Ham game, when you were losing at halftime and then came back to win it. Um, and he's one of those people in life that just gives you a good feeling about being alive. Bukayo Saka mm. is everything you would want in your own child. He has guts. He has humility. He has a smile on his face. I mean, that's just three things that I could say about him. Um, he is just such a joy. He's just such a joy. So I feel, and of course, being English, you know, such a star for our team and has had to go through so much, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, it seems to have built him up. And I, I know he missed the penalty and, you know, that was definitely a nerve thing for him because he's still such a baby. And I know he's done it for England and I, I hate that he, that he missed it, but he, he will just simply grow from that. And I look at the rest of the team and, and they're all, they're all, I feel that it's such a balanced team. And I know Saliba is a huge miss and Rob Holding is not Saliba. So that is a problem. But even from Ramsdale forward, like he's got such a character Ramsdale and he's so young. And I love that Arsenal's recruitment has turned itself on its head. I read an article, you probably read it the same one a few weeks ago about how Edu and I forget the guy's name, but one of the chief scouts have decided to 
completely switch recruitment. And instead of knowing about the personality at the end, just before they sign the player, the very first thing they look into is the personality. And Ramsdale was a perfect example of that. And his personality is just what you want. And I know he's he can be a bit erratic at times, but all the best goalkeepers are a bit mad, Peter Schmeichel included. And actually, Wayne Rooney said in the newspaper at the weekend, Aaron Ramsdale is as close as he has seen to Peter Schmeichel since Schmeichel played. Um, wow. And again, Michael's personality, you know, through the roof. And that's what you need in between the sticks, I think. Um, so in all, the team is, is so young. And, and I just don't think, as a Palace fan, you know, I don't, I don't hate Arsenal. I don't, I don't hate anyone except Brighton. Um, no, we don't hate Brighton really, but uh, well, we kind of do. But um, I don't. I, I feel like I have the capacity in my heart to, to really love this Arsenal team as a neutral because they bring so much joy, and also it's just so unexpected. Um, and I do think that the documentary helped in a way. The Amazon documentary allowed yeah. us to see a little bit more of the characters in that team um, and, and Arteta as well, and so maybe. <coughs> makes me feel a bit more connected to that team now, which is the whole point of these documentaries, which is why they all should do them, because that's the whole point. So that if I wasn't a Palace fan, I'd probably be an Arsenal fan now, because, you know, you do feel connected to them. You just... you want big ten. exactly. You well, and it's lovely to see. And, and I, just, I just think Arteta has... Isn't it interesting? You know, I mean, two years of me asking questions in the studio of... What are we? What are we thinking, guys? I mean, what's he doing? Trust the process. Well, what the hell's that? What's mm-hmm. that? What's that? And and it just just proves you've got to give these these people time. Well, that that's where I wanted to go next. I really, I'm curious as an outside observer and someone who watches this weekend in and weekend out and debates these issues. Like, we're so close to it, and I will admit there was a time right before that famous Boxing Day victory over Chelsea, where I really thought he's not ready yet. This is not the guy, Mikel Arteta. Um, you know, I think at that time we were touching the relegation zone. Um, we weren't scoring goals. We weren't creating threat. Emil Smith Rowe comes in, ironically, um, a player who can't get in now, but got in then transformed our fortunes. And it's mostly been an upward trajectory since then. How, how far have you come in terms of your, your belief in Mikel Arteta's abilities? Were you someone who was convinced he wasn't the guy, always saw some of the talent? Where were you on him overall? And, and what's your take on where he sits now and sort of the pantheon of elite coaches in the game. It's been a journey, hasn't it? For everybody, I think. Um, For me, for sure. (laughs) I mean, absolutely. I remember talking to Sophie, to Sophie Nicolau, um, and Mm -hmm. I want to say a year or maybe a year and a half ago. And she was like, I think I've got to say Arteta out. And she didn't want to say it, but she, she just felt it. And I wasn't convinced. I got to tell you, I'm thinking, what have they done? They've gone to City to get what they think is Pep Mark II, just because he used to play for Arsenal and he worked under Pep. Really? What do we know about this guy? But my goodness, they backed him. And that is the crucial bit. And then through all that pressure, I was thinking, what are they doing? What are they doing staying with him? He hasn't, he wasn't really showing me personally, but you know, I never played the game. So I, I look at it from slightly different eyes. I didn't love his, I didn't love his, um, on-camera persona. I thought he didn't give enough to the interview. I never learned enough from him when he spoke. I thought he was far too guarded. He annoyed me, actually, in front of camera. His teams, from what the experts were telling me, were not really showing a pattern of play enough. They weren't showing what this project was. Well, then when it all started to click, it kind of coincided with the documentary. Now, the documentary came out before it started to click. So when the documentary came out, I thought, oh my God, this is this is he an imposter? 
I got to ask the question, like the Anfield, you know, you never walk alone thing that didn't work. <laughs> you had like the photographer doing the speech and I'm thinking, this is what. Oh, we love Stuart McFarlane. No, we oh, were huge Stuart McFarlane fans. Yeah. I, saw him, <laughs> I said to him, nice speech. It, it, but it's what, it, at the time, when you're watching the documentary, you're thinking, this is one of two things. This is either a genius or this is a guy who's like a little bit out of his depth. And then it's, and then once that documentary came out and everybody watched it all, funnily enough, then it started to click. And of course, then I've been fully on board because how can you not be? And also his persona has slightly changed. I mean, he's hyper emotional, which I kind of love, aren't we all? So you see a lot of yourself in him in terms of his reactions on the side. The discipline isn't great, but I don't mind that too much. I'm kind of okay with that. But in the interviews, he is giving more. And I think that's important. Pep is moody. So sometimes Pep will give you something and sometimes he won't. And I don't like that. You, you got, you got to give the fans more. Fergie always gave the fans something unless he didn't like the person who was interviewing him. And then he was just me. Um, having done that many times, that was me in those shoes. Um, so <laughs> I, I've really come a long way with him. If they win the title, I think I'm right in saying he's the youngest manager to win the title, but he's also the first manager to win it three and a half years into a job ever, like into, into his mm. career, any title. I mean, that's incredible, you know, absolutely incredible. I'm I'm all in on him. I'm all in, but I do think. I mean, first of all, I don't think you're going to win the title. I w- I would like you to, but I don't. I don't think you are going to. And therefore, it's the safer bet at the moment. <laughs> it is unfortunately, but therefore, what I'm yep. fascinated in is how he goes about his business this summer. And he's already doing it because when he said after the Southampton game, I mean, what five times? I love my players more than anything. I love my players so. Much. I love my players now more than ever. It's that is very pep. That is very like, don't come at me with criticism because I've already told you I love them more than ever, which he's learned from Pep. And it's open. That's good. That's good. You learn stuff from the best manager in the world, but he's got to have a big two months and he's got to start well. And I, and, and this is going to be his greatest test so far. He's got many more to come because he's not going anywhere, but it, the next two months are going to be big for him. The next two days are going to be big for him, but you can, you can still do it. I hope you do it. I just, oh, can you imagine if you, you do know- this? You will go absolutely. I, I, I mean, I can't. I, I'm kind of protecting myself from that a little bit. I'll be there at the Wolves game, and you know, yeah. we're doing an event at Union Chapel the night before that, and I'm hoping it's going to be a very special weekend. I mean, it'll be a special weekend regardless. But yeah, I'm, I'm trying to protect myself from from dreaming too much. Um, and I think the opportunity to do it is not solely this season, given the level of talent that's there. Um, it, it is. It is interesting seeing the journey he's gotten, and I think it is worth remembering that he's the young manager. And when you look at where we could be, I think I read today that between Spurs and Chelsea, they're on seven managers this season, <laughs> between the two, <laughs> something along those lines. So, yeah. you know, they're for the grace of God go I. I. I think it is also relevant, just the connection people are feeling to the club. You know, when you go to the Emirates this season, the mood, the atmosphere is markedly different. And you can say, well, of course, because you're winning. But I think you even felt that a little bit last season. And when you have Jack Wilshire and Per Mertesacker and Mikel Arteta and Edu, you know, right up the line involved in this club, obviously you want the best people. But if you also believe there are still people, that makes it just a little bit easier to feel close to them in a way that when it was like Raul, Raul Sanyehi and Sven Mislinta and, and Unai Emery, it all felt very broken. And Lee shared a, a story about Unai taking all the Arsenal pictures down from the training ground, not wanting the pressure of the history. And then when Mikel came, he put them all back up. I think we all, and I, I, 
I don't like to speak for all fans. So let me just speak for myself. I think I feel much more connected to the club, not just because of the football that we're playing and the way we're winning and the academy players that are involved, but the Arsenal people that are now embedded in the club at the organizational level. That's a great point, Elliot. That's a great point. I mean, as a Palace fan, you know, we have Dougie Friedman as our sporting director or director of football. And, and you know, he's an absolute Palace legend. And Mark Bright is side by side with Steve Parrish. You know, you'll see him every week in the in the stand. And again, he loves Palace. So I, I'm with you with that connection. And what's so interesting, you mentioned the atmosphere at, at the Emirates. During the final Wenger year, so I was the pitch side reporter for ESPN UK. We had the rights for the late game every Saturday for four years. So that 5.30 p.m. UK time, 12.30 Eastern kickoff, I went to every week and as the pitch side. And also we, we at ESPN UK, we never got two of the big six play each other because Sky always picked those. But we always got a big six against a smaller team every week. So which meant that I would do United, Arsenal, City, Chelsea, Liverpool and Tottenham. I was there, I guess, once a month pretty much. So I interviewed Wenger a lot between the years of 2009 and 2013 when he was coming towards the end and there was the pressure was building. And I have to say, and and obviously I've been to Highbury before, the Emirates was not was no great shakes. As a, as a reporter, it was wonderful. I mean, a lovely press room. They've got Ben and Jerry's ice cream in there. And, you know, it's all <laughs> the tunnel's lovely and the interview room is lovely. It's about 25 interview rooms and all that. But the atmosphere, as I sat behind, I used to sit behind the away bench, was no great shakes. When we went back on Boxing Day and you guys were losing to West Ham, I, could, I couldn't believe it was the same place. I, I was like, what? Okay, so this is interesting. This stadium's come alive. And who's done that? Arteta. Even Wenger couldn't do it. And I know those final years were tough and then obviously Emery came in, but Arteta has done that and the team, but Arteta has done that. Um, and so you're right. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's easier to connect to them now. There's more Arsenal faces. It feels like Arsenal again. It feels like a George Graham, early years of Arsene Wenger, Arsenal. It really feels like a connected club. And how interesting, by the way, how quickly this has happened. And this is why you mentioned Tottenham and Chelsea and seven managers, which is an absolute shambles. But these kind of clubs, these kind of fans, they they mustn't lose faith because these things happen quick. I mean, look at Newcastle. Yeah. This has happened quick. Look at Arsenal. It's happened quick. It wasn't that long ago. You guys had protests outside the stadium. We haven't seen any of those for a while against the Cronkies. Mm. Um, so and look at Newcastle. They had protests for 20 years and now look at them. So people mustn't lose faith because things can change quickly um, as long as you have the right people in the right spots. Yeah, it's, it's made a huge difference. And from your position as someone who gets to travel around this country, the United States, seeing the supporters and, and you know, have, you have these wonderful supporter meetup events that have been brilliant. Uh, we do some events ourselves, not quite the scale. We're working on that as, as yours, but, you know, they, they all count. Um, do you get a sense of the intensity of Arsenal support in the United States versus some of the other big clubs? I think it, it's always hard for me to gauge. I mean, I know we... We dominate social media. I mean, that much that much has been clear for years. But um, do you get a sense of the intensity of Arsenal sport and maybe the growing intensity as our relevance returns after a few years in the wilderness? Oh, I think it's massive. I think I think you guys, Liverpool and Manchester United, are are streets ahead. To be quite honest with you, mm. I mean, the great thing is that every club has got some sort of intensity now. Um, but I would say that Arsenal show up. They show up in numbers. They're incredibly organised across the United States. Your network is amazing. You guys are very, very clever with the way you do your social media and the way you connect with each other. There is no rivalry in that. In that, within that, you know, everybody's sharing, doing different podcasts, but you're all kind of sharing each other's stuff. Um, and like, like you say, social media is often a reflection of society, unfortunately. And but with where your guys are concerned, I think it does. I think I think 
when someone says to me, who, who's the biggest supporter club? I would say it's it's neck and neck United, Arsenal, Liverpool. And that's and that's important for lots of reasons, um, because this country is the last area of the world where there is untapped support. And so you guys are doing a great job. You guys are doing a great job. And Arsenal is, is, a, is a name. And obviously, if you win the title, it'll, it'll help even more. Yeah, and being back in the Champions League as well. It seems like we've always been there, but it's been way too long. So I appreciate that perspective. Uh, I know we're coming up against a hard stop here, so I'll just get you out with this. What's your expectation for Wednesday night? What do you see happening? Um, I, 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 God, I mean, you've got to win it. I mean, that's just obviously the bottom line is, is that, you know, because of the last three games, there is now no question. You have to go and win it, which scares me a little bit for you because... How do you go to the Etihad and win when I don't know if you've ever gone to the Etihad and win in the one in the last? I mean, it's a very one-sided fixture. This and Pep beats Arsenal all the time, and I know you know that, which is worrying. Um, I I don't think anyone expects you to go there and win, and that I think is what Arteta has to say to them, guys. Come on, we were fifth last year. Let's just go out and and try and win the game. He's got to go on the front foot, but of course that's worrying with with Haaland. Waiting at the back against against Rob. Rob Holding. Holding. Rob Holding's got Hall. No problem. <laughs> should, should be no worry. <laughs> that concerns me. Um, uh, Robbie Earl said on our call this morning he wonders whether Arteta might slightly change it in a way to yeah. try and get Holding away from from Haaland. Saliba, being, I mean, that, that injury, sorry, that injury came in the Europa League and that was a huge error. He should never have played. And I know there's a lot of Arsenal fans who said it at the time and they were right. And I have to say at the time, I, what, what, what were you doing? You were, you were top of the league, but you had to concentrate on the league. The Europa League didn't matter. You were never going to win it because you, you didn't have the squad depth to be able to win the Premier League and the Europa League. should never have played him. He's the most, most important player. Uh, and Partey, Partey's form has dipped. I, I, I want him to play Trossard. I, don't, I think Jesus was a bit rubbish on Friday night, if I'm honest. He gave a great interview afterwards, but it's a bit rubbish on the field. I think Trossard is, is your secret weapon or not so secret anymore. I don't think he will. I think he'll pretty much play what we think he'll play. I think City will win. I really think they will because I think Arsenal will have to go for it and I worry about the other end. So I, I think that I hope I'm wrong because, my goodness, would we love it if it was a if it was an Arsenal win, just because it keeps everything alive for so long. But my, my fear is that City are just a machine right now, a beautiful machine. They will win it. And I'm afraid, I think, that they will go on to win the, tie, the, the treble. And I fear that this season will be remembered for that, not for Arsenal. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, the odds makers would certainly have it that way as well. I guess as a final point, I would just say that the, the battles between Pep and Mikel have always been sort of interesting, even when we were rubbish. When Mikel first arrived, we beat City in the FA Cup on our way to lifting the FA Cup over Chelsea. Uh, I think we outplayed them at the Emirates last January when we were robbed by the referees. I think we outplayed them at the Emirates, but Takahiro Tomiyasu gives them an easy goal and it made it a lot wow. easier for them. Pep and Arteta know each other so well, and sometimes that can lead to overthinking. So I'm I'm keeping an open mind because I think these battles since Mikel has arrived have been mostly interesting and I'm expecting it to be probably a close game, one that we probably need to win, but we will see. And Rebecca, when, uh, when I do get there in May uh, and we lift the title and the open top bus parade on Monday, uh, you know, if you want to have another chat, we can certainly do that. I look forward oh, to it. And, and I'll be nothing more than absolutely delighted. And I, yeah, I, <laughs> I wish all the best because I think that it would be a wonderful thing if Arsenal won this title. I think you guys deserve it. Those players deserve it. Arteta deserves it. And just finally, Elliot, this massive game coming up on Wednesday. 
Can you, I always think when it comes to these kind of games, can you imagine if you didn't like football and you didn't know that Wednesday was happening and you didn't have that in your life? Like it's going to, I'm flying in for one day to do this show because this is the biggest show of the season. I'm excited and I'm a Palace fan. I mean, bring it on. This Premier League is a joy of joy, isn't it? It is. And it's, it's that weird combination of excitement and pure unbridled terror, like absolute terror, like only football can give you. Yeah, who would want to be a football supporter? The other end, yeah, I have at the other end, of course, when Palace flirt with relegation or when we've been in a playoff final. It's mm. a horrible, horrible, sick feeling, but it's the hope that kills you. But I wish you the best of luck on Wednesday. And thank you for being part of our family's uh, weekend mornings uh, for many years. It's, it's lovely to speak to you. Oh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. Okay, that'll do it. The next time you will hear from me is on the instant reaction following the Manchester City game, if you're a patron. Uh, otherwise, on the full post-match podcast. Um, more than anything, I just would say stay safe out there. I hope it is a moment for the ages. I hope we are uh, equal to the challenge. I hope that we just go out there and put on a display that is representative of who we've been all season. And whatever the outcome is, then we'll accept it. Uh, it is a pressurized match, but it is the match we've wanted to be in, and we are in it. So very excited for that. Uh, wherever you are, I hope you're doing great. Uh, I hope you're excited for the game. I hope you are still continuing to enjoy this beautiful season. And uh, there's a lot more to come. So with that having been said, I will simply say we love you. We'll talk to you after Arsenal 10. City, no. Know.